by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I was on the way into church this morning on I-55, and I was in a bundle of traffic, you know, which is good to see a bundle of traffic on Sunday mornings. That's usually when it's the quietest. But I was in a bundle of traffic, and, and we were all doing about 70. You know, we're doing at least the speed limit, right? And I look in my rearview mirror, and I can see a guy coming from a distance, but I notice he's coming up fast. Well, there's nowhere I can go because there's someone in front of me and someone to the side of me. This guy gets up on me. Now, I don't know what kind of anxiety that he was going through this morning, that he would run over the pastor to get to church. <laughs> but he was trying to create some anxiety in the pasture. So when I was able, I let him on over. I don't know what church he was going to, but let's hope he got there. <laughs> you know, one time I preached on the book of Job, and I regretted it because it seemed like I had a Job-like experience all week leading to that. And so when I decided the Lord gave me a direction to preach on anxiety this morning, I'm surprised I have any hair left because I've been pulling it out all week. More than normal. Turn to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Happy to see so many gullicks in the house today. We're blessed to have some ministers of the Lord here with us today. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. says, worry weighs a person down. In the New King James, it says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. It's not a good thing. But a good word, say good word. A good word makes it glad. Do you have a good word today? I'm telling you, you've got 66 chapters of good word. I'm telling you, it's just what are you speaking? What word are you speaking? Are you speaking the words that bring anxiety, which leads to depression? Are you speaking a good word, which brings joy and makes you glad? I understand with all the civil unrest in society, the political divide, the COVID-19, the hurricanes, the murder hornets, the aliens, <laughs> I don't know what else, huh? Don't yell out things. We, know, we already know. No, no surprise that anxiety is real in our society. We're in an age of anxiety because we're in an age of outrage. There is anxiety everywhere. So we're going to talk about a few things that maybe cause anxiety. We're, going to, we're mostly going to talk about a good word. 
that overcomes anxiety today. Some of the things, you know, we can add to our anxiety by the chemicals that we allow in our bodies. You're drinking those energy drinks and you look like Beavis and Butthead <laughs> walking around, you know. Even coffee can make you a little jittery. Some, some people says it helps them, I don't know. But there's certain people that have chemical imbalances that have a doctor's prescription or something. There are natural causes of anxiety. Most people want to say, this me, yeah, that's why I have it. But most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, we're allowing things in our life that is causing the anxiety. It's not just a natural occurrence. One of the things that I have noticed recently that lies foster anxiety in the heart of a believer because I know the truth. And when I see these lies being told, it works you up, doesn't it? When you see the violence and all these things, it works you up. And so many of us are just trying to cope behind our mask. <laughs> and that's another thing. The radical changes that we've inflicted upon ourselves because of this pandemic is leading to the anxiety. Trying to breathe behind that thing. Not being able to see a smile on somebody's face. Feeling like you're in a third world nation when you go to Walmart. It's causing anxiety and, and many of us have just decided I'm just going to cope with it. But I'm here to tell you good news that God isn't into coping with stuff. He's into overcoming stuff. Our God wants you to overcome, not just deal with it. He is a God of victory. Thanks be unto our God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Made us more than overcomers in him who loved us. We've been talking about Elijah. How one day he stood up on the mountain and called fire down from heaven. He stood up to 950 fellas and a whole nation of Israel. And then the next day he's running from a woman. What happened? Really? It was his perception of the events around him, what he was allowing into his heart. One day he, had the, he was full of the word of God. The next day he's empty of the word of God and he's full of fear. And he's hearing the voices of the enemy. He's allowing a bad word into his heart. It's causing depression. He's saying, oh Lord, just go on and kill me. I'm the only one doing good. He's believing lies. It's the same man, the same God, unchanged, but two different outcomes. It's easy to get our eyes off of Jesus and onto the wind and waves. It can happen like that. But we're going to have to learn to be steady and say, peace be still every day. Holy Spirit, fill me every day. Keep my mind on the good word so that I don't have to listen to the lies. There was a a king, the first king of Israel named King Saul. If you wonder why I'm always hanging over here, it's because I can't see some of y'all to the right. And that's another reason why we need our own camera system. We're going to mount them permanently. We got over $1,100 in the camera fund. Way to go, guys. All right, we need a lot more. So if you could just give weekly towards it, we're going to get us the, the best camera system that we can afford and that we can reach more people online. 
It's going to be winning souls with that thing. But anyway, well, I, I was talking about King Saul, the first king of Israel. He was having tormenting thoughts. Another description of tormenting thoughts is found in Ephesians chapter 6, talking about the whole armor of God. It says, put up the shield of faith that you may quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That's the thoughts and suggestions he's throwing at you, fiery things, trying to bring you down, trying to get you to become the second Elijah. Anyway, Saul is having these troubling thoughts. He's, his heart is sinking into depression. And so he calls for a young boy who plays the harp. And his name is David. And he would be Saul's successor. He would later become King David. Now, I can't confirm this for sure, but we know that David wrote most of the Psalms in our Bible today. Psalms is another word for songs. David was a, a worship song writer. He was a worship song player. He was a worshiper. And I imagine when he came into the king's tent to help soothe the king, he was playing that harp and he was singing the psalms. And it would soothe King Saul for a moment. But let me tell you something. Just listening to somebody else's worship may help your heart be still, but it'll never help your heart be healed. You've got to have your own worship. You've got to write your own songs to the Lord. You've got to sing with your own voice. You can't watch somebody else's worship and think that's going to be, that may help you cope, but that won't help you overcome. Does that make sense? So David would sing him the psalms. But you see, Saul's heart was rebellious towards God. And there was his problem. God put him in office. God showed him what he must do. But Saul still wanted to do what Saul wanted to do. And he would not follow God's plan. And a rebellious heart will not find peace. If I were to define peace for you right now, I would say peace is being in harmony with God. With your creator with your purpose, to be in harmony, to be one with peace. Jesus said, the peace I give is not like the world. So when there's rebellion in your life, naturally, there's anxiety. There should be anxiety in your heart if you're not following the Lord. Or if you claim to follow the Lord, but are not. There should be anxiety. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. The wages of sin is death. God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that will he also reap. You should be worried. You should have anxiety if you're living in a rebellious state to God. Don't do it. You will never have the peace of God which passes all understanding like that. Saul went down that path and he wouldn't turn, he wouldn't, he wouldn't repent from it. So bad that he stopped coming to God at all. And he turned to a medium, a spiritualist, a palm reader. Those things which are an abomination to God. He didn't find any peace in that either. 
I didn't know if I was going to mention this, but the Bible says that God sent that tormenting spirit to Saul. What? I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That'll, that'll bust some people's theology right there. <clears throat> but I'm going with what the Bible says. God didn't have time to play with Saul. Saul, you're a king of my people. You're going to be rebellious. I'm, not trying to sh I'm going to try to show you what a rebellious heart gets. Tormenting spirits. He was trying to work with the fellow, trying to get him to repent. But he wouldn't. He would be in the tent with David. And he would get so worked up. There will come a point, if you don't repent of your sins, the rebellion in your heart will begin to hate the things of God. Saul picked up a spear. And I don't know how big the tent was, but this is a man of, of war. Throws a spear at David, who's over there worshiping on the harp. He throws a fiery dart. But because David is a worshiper, David slips the fiery dart. The fiery darts will not pin you down if you're a worshiper. Got any worshipers in the house today? Another thing, I, anxiety often stems from the drama that we create in our sin. Billy Graham, you may have heard of him. He said, historians will probably call our era the age of anxiety. Now, he was living in the, and he was probably saying this in the 70s and the 80s. What would they call it now? <laughs> he said, they would probably call our era the age of anxiety. Anxiety is the natural result when our hopes are centered on anything short of God and God's will for us. So anxiety comes because we are not focused on God and God's will for us. Let me show you something. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Hebrews 2, verse 14 says, Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Do you know that Jesus was spirit, God is a spirit, that he wasn't always flesh and blood, but he became flesh and blood for us? He put on this earth suit for us so that he could die for us. Because it says, for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had, thank goodness, had, <laughs> who had the power of death. Now, here's where I wanted to get to. Are you getting the picture? We're lost and dead in our sins and trespasses. No hope to get to heaven. No, no bridge to God. But God sends his only son, Jesus, to become one of us so that he could die and break the power of death. Now he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And the devil no longer holds them. Man, I'm preaching and you ought to be shouting. 
That is the good news right there. Boy, that's good news. But only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. You see, the root of all anxiety is the fear of dying. We don't take chances. We're afraid we're going to come up dead on that one. Afraid of failure, afraid of dying. The ultimate is to die. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Revelations 12, 11, Jesus says, And they defeated the devil, him, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. It was because of Jesus' blood. It was because that they spoke a better word over their life that I now belong to the king. They did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Are you afraid to die? 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, We're confident, yet, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In the blink of an eye, we're, we're translated into the presence of God. Why are we afraid to die still? I'm talking about the root of anxiety, is being afraid to die. Being afraid to fail. Being afraid, being afraid, being afraid. It's what's causing, deep down, it's causing your anxiety. You're holding on to this life. You know, a trapeze artist, they'll be up there, I don't know, maybe 60 feet in the air or something. They'll be swinging on those bars and letting go and catching the other one, and they'll be swinging on their, with their legs and all kind of doing flips and catching the other thing. Can you imagine what it must be like to climb that pole up 60 feet? That's what life is like. You're up somewhere you've never been before. Can you imagine being up there and there being no net? Oh, if I were going to learn to really live, I would need a net. If I were going to do a flip, if I were even going to let go of that pole, I would want a net down there to catch me. And you don't think there would be anxiety in my heart if I were to have to swing across there without a net? And that's what people without Jesus are doing. They're swinging across life without a net. And not only is there a concrete floor below, there's molten lava where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and a, a burning fire that never is quenched. And they're talking about a, the, if they fall, eternity is in that fire. But we're not like that. We have put our trust in the Lord Jesus, and there's a safety net. We can live our lives without fear. We can flip. We can go for it. We can show out for Jesus. We can do all that he wants us to do because the moment we die, we just enter into our, our reward. We're promoted even. Isn't that good news? It is for you if you're saved. All die. It's appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. 
And for a believer, the judgment will be, did you trust in Jesus as your Savior? Come on in to the joy of the Lord. For the unbeliever, they die two deaths. They die to this physical body, and then they're judged on the great white throne of judgment where they'll die eternally according to their works. All die, but not all live. Are you holding on to this life too tight? If you could get a big picture of what's really happened, how Jesus overcome death, hell, and the grave for you, you could just let that anxiety slip off your shoulders every morning. And you could live. You could truly live. You could truly live this life. Life is full of risk. There's a risk when you leave here today that you could be killed in an automobile accident. You take risk eating at the Chinese restaurant or the Mexican restaurant or the, or the American restaurant or wherever you eat. Why is that funny? Do we have a bad Chinese restaurant in the area? Oh. Life is full of risk. Life requires courage. To truly live, you're going to have to have courage. You have a safety net. Take off. You can have worry and you can have life, but you can't have both. There's no life in the worry. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I'm trying to get you to see a bigger perspective here. I'm trying to get you to see the big picture. When you were 13, you were worried because you kissed that boy or you kissed that girl. Do I have mono? When you were five, you were worried, do I have cooties? Nowadays, do I have COVID? Life is a risk, but you're covered. All those times we worried, but we're still here. The nights we stayed up worrying about this or wor worrying about that, did it do any good? Two days later, you didn't even remember it anymore. You don't even remember what you were worried about. But at that moment, oh, it was the biggest thing in the world. And worry and stress is the biggest killer in the world. Causes heart disease and all the other diseases are triggered by stress more than anything. So you're holding on to life, but you're killing yourself doing it. Don't love your life in this world. Lose it that you may find true life in Christ and swing on through life. Put on a show. Worry can't add a single moment to your life. But Jesus added eternal life to your existence. I'm choosing Jesus. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 4. 
Woo, ain't God good. I know I'm preaching in the right place because when we sang that first song this morning, I was just perplexed that everybody wasn't shouting, running around the church, hooping and hollering. This is how we overcome. We're bound up. We're like Lazarus coming out of the grave with the grave clothes still on. We still need to be unwrapped. You've been given new life. Am I yelling again? Pastor, you're the one causing the anxiety. You're always yelling at us. <laughs> Forgive me. Sorry. I told Angie, I said, how am I going to preach a message on anxiety when I'm going to be yelling at them the whole time? I... Maybe some of you need to yell and get it out, get it over with, and move on. Man, I do. I just, I like to get it out. I like to be expressive. I like to live. I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 4.8 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed. Boy, yeah, we're perplexed. What in the world just happened? What's going on? We're perplexed, but we don't need to be in despair. We're not in despair. We have a safety net. We have somebody that watches over us. Persecuted, but not forsaken. You know, I bet three or four years ago, I was talking to some of you guys, and I would say, I would tell them, persecution's coming. The church in America is going to be persecuted. Oh, no, that's conspiracy theories. That's never going to happen. And right now in Pasadena, California, I think it is, for showing up to a church service, you can be fined $1,000 and go to prison for one, jail for one year. In America, go to jail for coming to church. I saw someone said something along the lines is, are you still going to be a Christian if it's illegal? <sighs> Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. And here's where I wanted to get. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Dying that the life may be manifested. Caring about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, I was, what does that mean? And, and, I, and I don't know exactly what it means, but I was thinking one of the interpretations that I get is that my Lord was willing to die for me. He was willing to wear my crown of thorns. That, that my mind doesn't have to have this anxiety. He was willing to take those stripes on my back. That by his stripes I may be healed. He was willing to carry that wooden cross up that steep hill called Calvary for me. That I could run my race. 
He was willing to lay down on that cross and spread his arms wide so that he could be nailed to the cross and lifted up so that he could create a bridge between sinful man and a holy father. When I think about the dying of my Lord Jesus Christ, it makes me want to live for him. He died for me. I want to live for him. I don't want to get up there and say, yeah, I took that, that talent you gave me and I hid it in the ground. And I just existed down here because I was scared. No. I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That was prepared for you since the foundations of the world. Mm. That the life of Jesus may also be manifested in my body. When the floods rise, I'm going to swim harder. (laughs) I'm not going to lay down and drown in my toxic thoughts. When, the, when the, the floods of anxiety rise, I'm not going to agree with them. I'm not going to sit there and be flooded by them. I'm going to swim harder. When the enemy speaks a word, I'm going to speak a better word. I'm going to speak the word of faith which we preach. When the devil says this, I say, no, God says this. What would, what would Moses be doing today to fight back anxiety, do you suppose? Turn to Psalm 91. This is a psalm Moses wrote. I see Psalms 90 starts with a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Moses was a man of prayer. Moses was a worshiper too. He wrote the songs too. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. A prayer of Angie, the woman of God. The prayer of Callan, a woman of God. The prayer of Wheezy, a woman of God. Psalms 91, you don't think Moses went through some some issues that could have caused anxiety trying to feed two million people out in the wilderness? Having the Red Sea at your back and, and Pharaoh's army fixing to kill you in the front? You don't think he had a chance to have anxiety when he was the only one fixing to climb this mountain that's on fire because of the presence of God? But he climbed that mountain. And in Psalms 91, it says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High. This is the way Moses talked to himself. This is what you need to declare over your life. Those who live in the shadow of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. And I trust in him, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. 
His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly by day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying all around you, those evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the it well, if. Wait a minute. Is there an if in that sentence? If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with your hands so you won't even dash your foot against a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Come on, devil. You are under my feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who call on my name. Trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. I feel better already. I think anxiety slipping off my shoulders. I think I may drive 120 to get to church next Sunday. I might run over to pastor to get there. What would David be doing right now and in, in, with facing the anxiety that we are? He would be worshiping. <laughs> in Psalms 116.11, says, he said, in my anxiety, I cried out to you. I love this. He says, these people are all liars. Isn't that a word for today? Let me say that again. In my anxiety... I cried out to you, all these people are liars. Remember what I said about lies? Causing the anxiety? Cut that media off, my friend. You could go a month without turning on the news and you'd know everything that's happening in the world just fine. Other people would be telling you. You'd, need, you'd know all you need to know. And you would have peace. Those lies are creating the anxiety. All these people are liars. Psalms 94, 19, he said, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. When everybody else, woe is me. I don't know what we're going to do. Dad, lactic, dad, lactic, dad, lactic, dick, dick, dick. <laughs> Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Is that bringing you joy? <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. And a cheerful heart does good like a medicine. That's why I like to laugh in church. That's why I'm glad we're the fun church, even if it does make people mad. What did Isaiah say? In Isaiah 26, 3, he says, You will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Fix your thoughts. Our thoughts are broken. Fix your thoughts. What would Paul, the apostle Paul, advise? Well, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Don't worry about anything. 
In the King James, it says, be anxious for nothing. Anxiety is not your option. You got to fight against it. You can't sit and, and dwell on it. You can't sit and be drowned by it. Be anxious for nothing. Instead, pray about everything. There, there's an idea. Worship God. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Rehearse all the good things, all the good times He brought you through. And your problems will begin to be so small. Begin to thank God for all the blessings in your life. Look at what other people are having to deal with. Get your focus off yourself and help somebody else. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, that's the thing, living in him. Not knowing about him, living in him. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Say, fix your thoughts. They're broken. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Turn them from the dark things, the drama, and turn them on to the light. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, then God, of, the God of peace will be with you. You know, I heard the story, and I think it's true, that how an eagle will sometimes have a crow flying behind it, pestering it, even land on the eagle's back sometimes. The crow's lighter and more agile. And he's faster, and every time the eagle, if the eagle were to try to turn around and get him, the crow can dodge him, you know, because the eagle's bigger and stronger, but he's, he's not as agile. Instead of the, the eagle always turning around and fighting with that crow that's always pecking at him, instead of staying down in the fight with the dark bird, he begins to fly higher. Say fly higher. The eagle begins to fly higher. Pretty soon he's above the clouds and the rain and the storms. Pretty soon he's going to a height where the crow can no longer sustain his air. The crow has to go back down and the eagle is soaring where he's supposed to be soaring. Say fly higher. Don't stay down in the trenches with the crow. Rise on wings as eagles. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Rise on wings of eagles. You're meant to soar. You're meant to fly higher than being down here pecking in the dust like a chicken. You're an eagle. for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.